Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Hello, fam. How are we? Happy New Year's Eve day. It's New Year's Eve day. That's right. Tomorrow's New Year's Eve. Well, my name is Lauren. I am one of the preachers here at Seacoast Vineyard Church, and it is a good day to be in church. Amen? And I just want to give a warm welcome to anyone that is new here this morning. If this is your first time here, welcome. We are glad that you joined us this morning. Well, as our holiday season is wrapping up, many things about my life are full. My heart is full with all the friends and family I got to spend time with this Christmas season. Uh, my full, it was full of feasting and celebrating gifts and laughter and, oh, me, oh, my, cookies and eggnog, right? You would think I started the Atkins diet with all the meat and cheese I devoured this month. So my heart is full this 2017, and so is my stomach, leaving 2017 full, very full. And so here we are, church, on New Year's Eve day, and the new year is a fantastic time to start a new course and establish fresh direction in the coming months. So this morning, I would like to suggest that we enter the new year with an age-old but probably new-to-most spiritual practice. And that, my friends, is prayer and fasting. Amen to that. Some of us are already hungry. (laughs) Perhaps, maybe, just maybe, you are looking for a breakthrough in your own life. Maybe you are looking for a breakthrough in your family, in your children's life, maybe in your marriage. Maybe you are looking for a breakthrough in your career, perhaps financially. Prayer and fasting is a means of God's grace and his blessing. Prayer will get us connected to God, and fasting will get us less connected to the things that we like to make more important than God. And so my hope for us this morning is to not just give you mechanics of prayer and fasting, but to help us move away from just discipline and into delight. Because the best motivator out there isn't just discipline, but rather delight. If you love something and you love doing something, you're much more apt to do it if you sense delight in it. Now, let me give you an example. For example, my husband, Ryan, Ryan delights so much so in his truck. He loves his truck. He loves it. He loves it so much that he is disciplined to care for it, to clean it, to vacuum it, to wash it. And so a few months ago, Ryan graciously let me borrow his truck for a ladies' surf trip to Wilmington, North Carolina. Now, Ryan was a little nervous to say, you know, he... Me and a few ladies. I think Megan Townsend, you were there. Hey, girl. And Ryan said, okay, watch out for other cars. Watch out for car doors. Double park if you have to. He was just coaching me through how to drive his truck. And on our way out, Ryan handed me a towel. And I said, oh, babe, that was so sweet. We could use an extra beach towel. And he said, oh, no, just just clean the console and the doors when you get in and out of the truck. And in that moment, I recognized how much Ryan's discipline for stewarding his vehicle well is driven 
by delight. Ryan delights in his truck. So your resolution this New Year's, if you made them, how different are they from last year? Some of you may have just erased the seven and put an eight. How different are they from last year? Perhaps they're the same resolution, same dream, same hope, same goal. If discipline is driving the truck, you're going to fall short. But if delight is driving the truck, you will do what you delight in. You will do what you delight in. You chase after your affections. So when it comes to prayer and fasting, delight doesn't take the place of discipline. Make sure you hear me that, though. It doesn't take the place. It just fuels it. It empowers it. It strengthens it. It deepens it. It's not that we don't need to be disciplined people. We absolutely need to be disciplined people. You're just not going to accidentally grow in godliness. You're not going to accidentally grow in more patience. Discipline is going to be there, but the fuel in discipline is delight. It fuels it. It strengthens it. It deepens it. So perhaps, though, one of our biggest obstacles when it comes to prayer with God is that we don't believe that God delights in us. We just don't believe that God really enjoys us or likes us. Sure, we think and we are aware that God loves us, and we have our coffee mug on it that says, Jesus loves me. But do we really believe that God enjoys us, delights in us, rejoices over us? And if we're honest, that would be a difficult question to answer. And let me tell you why it's difficult. Have you ever hurt someone? Betrayed someone? Lied to someone? What is our human response in that moment? Well, our response is avoidance. We avoid someone that we have hurt or failed or let down. We avoid that person. You go to the 9.30 service, I'm going to scoot on over to the 11 o'clock. You go to spin class, well, I'm going to pick up Zumba. We avoid people that we have hurt or disappointed or let down. And so maybe, just maybe, we don't pray and seek God because we are avoiding him, because we are deeply embarrassed and ashamed, and we think that we have let him down beyond repair. And I know some of you are in here just saying, Lauren, girl, I'm a mess. I haven't been to church in a long time. There is no way that the God of the universe delights in me much less loves me. Well, friends, I want to invite you this morning to dial into our passage in Luke chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, you can pull those out. And if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. We're going to give you a freebie. It's on the screen this morning. This passage is is about a God who delights in us and deeply wants us to delight in him. So here we are, Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to, told the, to, te- to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So that's pretty straightforward, right? That's clear. That's, we know that we are told to pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there is a judge 
who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Did you guys catch that? There was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Now, I know some people that don't fear God, and I know some people that don't care what other people think, but that combination, that's brutal, okay? And then there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Would you guys pray with me? Father God, we ask that your presence would be felt in this room today. Lord, would you give us the ability to understand that you truly do delight in us, each of us, Would our response to you not to be avoidance? Would we not be embarrassed? Would we not be ashamed? Would we believe that we haven't disappointed you beyond repair? God, you are a good, good father, and you give good gifts to your children. So thank you, God, for all that you do for us, and we ask that we would listen to you this morning. And so we thank you, God. Amen. Well, let's look at these two characters. So we have the judge. This judge doesn't fear God. And he doesn't have any respect on anyone for plan on planet Earth. That's pretty brutal. And then we have the widow woman. So you kind of have a minnow and a shark in this instance. So a woman in the first century was viewed below a second-class citizen. And even lower than that would have been a widow. And so her means of work and food were removed from her when her husband passed away. So if resources were not available, if family was not available, this widow would have been in deep distress and in some deep trouble. So hence the biblical command to care for widows and orphans, which is another sermon. I'll be preaching another day. So I can just imagine the disciples upon hearing this passage, they would have been highly entertained because they would have thought this widowed woman was defenseless. She, they thought that she would have been helpless, but you know, she is not acting like a victim. What I love about this widowed woman is that she steps into a man's world. Now that is a lady boss, am I right? She steps into a man's world and she persists her plea. The judge was so annoyed, the judge was so bothered, he was so worn out that he eventually gives her what she wants. And the, the text says that he was so afraid that she would come and attack him. Well, attack in the Greek literally means and is translated to beat black and blue. So this judge was so afraid that this widow would come and attack him, he gave her what she wanted. 
So the invitation from God to us through this parable is this. Pester me, bother me, ask me, bombard me, never let up. Pester me, bother me, ask me, bombard me, never let up. That is the invitation from God to us through this parable. Because if a grumpy, crooked judge can give this widow woman who he could care less about exactly what she needed, how much more, church? How much more, church? How much more can God, our Father in heaven, answer the prayers of the saints? How much more? And so this parable is told for two reasons. The first is pretty obvious. Told us to pray continuously. The second reason this parable is told is that we would not lose hope and heart when we pray. That we would not lose hope and heart when we pray. And I know there are people all over this room who have prayed and really asked God, help. Send someone, send something. I'm seeking your guidance. I'm seeking your counsel. And yet hope slowly started to leak out of your hearts. Friends, I too have been on my knees praying and fasting and asking God for an answer. And yet death happened or sickness occurred and no breakthrough was ever sent. I too have been there. But this isn't the sermon that I might even try to attempt to unpack why certain things happen and certain things don't. But maybe, just maybe, Jesus ends this text here in Luke 18 with, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Because we are never fully going to understand God's will. Perhaps we are never fully going to get it. And so some of you might be saying, well then, Lauren, why pray at all? What's the point of prayer? Because God asked us to ask of him. Because God has asked us to ask of him. And so, yes, there is a mystery with prayer. There is a mystery for sure. But our role as children of God is to trust the sovereignty of God. And so we pray, church, we pray with boldness. We pray with confidence. We pray with fire in our souls. Why? Because he said, pester me, bother me, ask me, bombard me, never let up. He said, pester me, bother me, ask me, bombard me, never let up. That is what God has called us to do. And that is why prayer and fasting make one heck of a team. So let's break down some fasting, shall we? Well, according to Adele Calhoun, who wrote the Spiritual, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, would describe a fast as this. To let go of an appetite in order to seek God on matters of deep concern for others, myself, and the world. To let go of an appetite in order to seek God on matters of concern for others, myself, and the world. 
So if you know me, I'm pretty awful at keeping a succulent alive. You know those little plants? They're really popular on Instagram. They're just really moody, really moody plants. Every now and then I'll feel inspired to grow plant life. So I'll make a trip to Lowe's and I'll go get some succulent soil, right? I'll, I'll make sure the soil's cultivated. I'll water the succulent just right. Again, those plants are really moody little guys, okay? But every now and then I'll feel inspired. I can do everything I can to make sure the succulent has the right soil, the right amount of water, which is not too much water, just the right amount. I can do the right things, but eventually the natural forces of life have to take over to grow the succulent, to blossom it, to bloom it. And this is the way with spiritual disciplines, and in this morning's case, prayer and fasting, it's a kind of a way of sowing to the spirit. With disciplines, we get into the ground right where God wants us so he can move within us and transform us and change us. And I believe the Apostle Paul says it best in Galatians 6, 8. He just crushes it here. This is what he says. He who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And so fasting with prayer, hope, continuous prayer, reminds us that we are about soul things. And so fasting really stretches our heart. It stretches our heart to remind us that we care about the world, that we care about God's bigger purposes, that we care about each other and the church. And so we fast in this life because we believe in the life to come. We fast from what we have tasted and seen because we have tasted and seen the goodness of the invisible God. Jesus does not say, if you fast. Neither does he say, you must fast. His word is simple. He says, when you fast. So fasting is an opportunity for us, for us to lay down an appetite. Maybe it's an appetite for food, Maybe it's an appetite for social media, Netflix, anyone? Shopping. It may not seem like a big deal to eat a meal or take a trip to the outlets, but our appetites bring us face to face with the hunger at the core of our being. And so fasting with prayer exposes how we try to keep this empty hunger at bay and we gain a sense of security by devouring our comforts. So Jesus, when we look at scripture, he began his ministry with a 40-day fast. Fasting was normal in the lives of Jews. We see the Old Testament saints fasting at times of lament and mourning, even national repentance. They fasted when they needed strength or mercy to persevere or when they wanted a word from God. However, fasting was no magical guarantee that the intercessor would get what they were fasting for. Isaiah chapter 58 records a rebuke from God to the people of Israel. The people of Israel fasted regularly, but they were frustrated because they were not getting any results. And so God rebukes them because they were fasting for selfish reasons. 
Instead of fasting for a purpose, they were making it about themselves. So when we deny ourselves a meal or a trip to the outlets or some sort of appetite, and our stomach says, I'm hungry, we take a moment to turn from that emptiness to turn to the nourishment that Jesus offers. He is the bread of life. And so at the end of our service, we are going to plan a fast. We are going to illustrate, we're going to get our art skills going on, but we are going to illustrate a dinner plate and a fork and a napkin, and we're going to think about how we can start incorporating what a fast could look like in our walk with Jesus. And so whether you have done a 21-day fast or you have never fasted in your life, this morning is intended to be a launching point for you to begin thinking about what a fast could look like in your life. So it sounds simple, right? But our flesh, the world, the enemy likes to make things a little bit more challenging when we fast. So as we talk about some suggested fasts, there's nothing more inherently spiritual about one type of fast over another. It's just a time to disconnect from your regular habits and patterns to connect with God. All right, so here are some suggested fasts. Media, TV, and movies. So if, if, you like enjoy, if you enjoy Netflix, maybe you could fast from that for a season, for a time, for seven days or a month. What do you think about that? Turn to your neighbor and say, maybe you should fast from Netflix. You guys don't watch Netflix. All right, what about, what about your cell phone? What about some sort of caffeine or fast food? You could fast from Facebook or Instagram. I know quite a few millennials that fast from social media because it's, we're just bombarded with it all the time. And so you could fast from these things for 24 hours, once a week for a month. You could get really creative here. And so what might you pray for during a fast? You could pray for our city. You could pray for Myrtle Beach and beyond, the surrounding cities, the Grand Strand. You could pray for our church, the leaders, our staff. You could even pray for the Vineyard Movement nationally. You could pray for breakthrough in healing, financial breakthrough, family restoration, and increase in signs and wonders and miracles. You could join me in that. And in most cases, cases, fasting is a private matter between the individual and God. However, there are times of, in Scripture that are communal fasts. And so I want to ask you, do a fast between you and your small group community here at the church. What would that look like for you to link arms with other believers? Without a purpose or plan, you're just going hungry. So Skip, I want to invite you up for a moment. Does everyone have a piece of paper or a bulletin? or something to write on. Go ahead and pull something out to write. We're going to get our art skills going on for a moment here. So what we're going to do this morning is we are going to illustrate how we would plan a fast. So what I would like you to do is draw a healthy and wealthy-sized dinner plate. That would be a circle. (laughs) 
And what I would like you to do is I would like you to draw, okay, well, maybe help me out. I took cotillion when I was in middle school, so which side does the fork and napkin go on? The fork goes on the left? Fabulous. We'll go with that. So draw a fork on the left side of the dinner plate. Make sure this is a big-sized dinner plate that you can really write some things on it. Al, I see you. You're not drawing. Now go ahead and add the napkin on the right side. And I'm tweaking this from David Mattis' book, Habit of Grace. And it just it really helps us begin processing what a fast could look like in our walk in our life with Jesus. Because if we don't prep and plan, we're just really, like I said, going hungry. So to the rim of the plate, I want you to write a spiritual specific purpose for why you would fast. Maybe God is calling you to pray for our city. Maybe God is calling you to pray for our staff here at the church, our leaders. Maybe God is calling you to pray for family restoration, breakthrough and healing. Go ahead and write the spiritual purpose on the rim of the plate. Now, on the center of the plate, write what you will be fasting from. So you have what you'll be fasting for, but on the center, write what you will be fasting from. Maybe this is a meal, multiple meals. Maybe this is Netflix. Maybe this is shopping. Whatever you feel that would be challenging for you. And make sure you consider how this fast will impact those around you as well. Now on your fork or near your fork, I want you to write an action step. What will you do during your fast? Will you take a prayer walk? Will you journal? Will you read scripture? What will you be doing during the fast that you would regularly be devoting to eating or shopping? What will you be doing? Now, I want you to hold on to this. Because the napkin is left blank for a reason. I want to challenge you during the month of January, would you do an individual fast with you and God? And do some sort of communal fast with your small group community here. And would you hold on to this piece of paper? At the end of your fast, would you write your takeaway on the napkin? So at the end of this month, so don't throw it away. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it on your fresh console. Right, Ryan? Put it somewhere that you can see it. 
Friends, I'm not sure what your hopes and dreams are for 2018. But I can guarantee you, some of you will have the best year of your life. I can also guarantee you that some of you will have the most challenging year that you have ever faced. My hope for you is to not just encourage you to go to the gym starting tomorrow. The gym is going to be terrible anyway. Start in February. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? My heart for you and Seacoast Vineyard's heart and hope for you is that you would know that God truly delights in you, that God truly does enjoy you, rejoices over you, and God says, pester me, bother me, ask me, bombard me. Never let up. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.